y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, and I'm your host. Today, I'm chatting with single mom um, of three, Candy Lee, and we talk about how she basically had to kind of reinvent herself, and this is a really great chat, so I hope you enjoy it, and you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Welcome back to another edition of Chat from the Blog Cabin. Today I am joined by Candy Lee, which I love that name, Candy Lee. It's like so, so super cool. And we're going to be talking about all things about being a single mom, being an author, life transitioning, everything. But before we get started, Candy, tell us a little bit about who you are before we talk about your book or anything else. Well, thanks so much, Melissa, for having me here today. I really appreciate it. So my name is Candy. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm born and raised Wisconsin, so Midwestern girl my whole life. I am the mom of three incredible kids. Um, they're age 19, 17, and 14, and I can't even believe that. So yeah, for everybody who's listening who's a, who's a mom, you know that it, we just cannot be this old, right? We cannot possibly <laughs> have kids who are this old at this point in our lives. Um, but they're incredible. And uh, I love being a mom. I was a corporate employee for about 20 years of my life. I had a massive back surgery in 2019. And on my first day back to work after that back surgery, I had a three-month recovery. On my very first day back, I was laid off from my job. And at that point, decided to go on a road trip and write a book. And that started a brand new chapter of my entire life. And it became a recovery and healing journey that um, I think is going to be going for the rest of my life. And it's opened up um, brand new doors that have really opened up a whole new world for me. I love how you said you decided to write a book and then the next chapter of your life, you just kind of <laughs> use the author terms. But I, I so understand how you are because I have one that will be 26 this year, a 23 year old and a soon to be 19 year old. So I understand we cannot have kids that old. Weren't they no. just babies? We're like 25. There's no way. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about your life transition. Why do you decide, why do you decided to go on a road trip after you got laid off and and basically write a book? Why did you decide to do this? Yeah, so so here's what happened. When I so I sort of was tipped off that I was going to get laid off. Thank God. So I I wasn't completely blindsided yet when I received that packet of information. It was still as if I was, you know, that 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 was a whole new ball game when I actually had the tangible information in my hand that my career was over. I didn't realize how much of my identity was wrapped up in a 20-year career. Yes, my identity was as a mom. Yes, my identity was as, you know, um, a woman, 
but I didn't fully realize that my identity was also as an employee of this company. And so I remember I left work that day and I came home and I was talking to my sister on the phone and I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like this means my, my bills are going to change. My, you know, my child support situation is going to change because I was paying child support at the time. So like my health insurance support or health insurance is going to change. Um, I don't know how all this is going to come together. And at the same time that I was panicking about all those things, I also said, I don't have to be anywhere at 8 a.m. on Monday for the first time in 20 years. And I felt a freedom that I hadn't felt before. So there was the good with the bad, the yin with the yang. And um, I think that weekend, I was just kind of a blur of questions. And I wasn't quite sure how anything was going to come together. And for the next several weeks, I started networking and I decided to pull out an exercise called an Ikigai exercise. It's I-K-I-G-A-I. For anybody who is listening to this right now, you can Google that and pull it up. You can um, go through this exercise on your own. And what it helps you do is really define your purpose, your passion, what you can get paid for and what you are, what, what is your gift that you can give to the world. And really my gifts focused on connecting people and on writing. And so, and I love to travel, but I thought, mm-hmm. I know even though we're 25, I thought I'm too old to be a travel blogger. My mm-hmm. kids, like my lifestyle doesn't quite allow for this, right? So, um, so I thought, well, what if I wrote a book? I've always kind of wanted to write a book. Maybe this is, maybe this is the universe opening up a window for me that I should just take this chance and do it. And one thing led to another. I was introduced to a publisher who decided that she agreed, she would agree to the idea that I had of this book I was going to write. And I made the plans, a very loose itinerary. And so I left, I hopped in my car one afternoon and I just started driving south and I, I wrote a book. And that's how that's how it all began. Wow. So you wrote a book while you were on the road trip? I did write a book while I was on the road trip. And Melissa, what happened was um, my plan was to write about the people that I met on the journey. I I thought I would be attracted to the energies of different people that I met at the different roads, uh, the different stops along the way. But what happened was because of the in, intense amount of time I had alone, it became a deep journey inward, a very, very much a soul searching, soul reflective journey. And my book became more of a memoir slash self-help, like a deep inner work conversation. And I think that, again, people who are listening, if you're if you're moms, you'll you kind of that inner work conversation that's like, when we're younger and we think about, oh gosh, someday I'm gonna have that house and my kids with the white picket fence and it's gonna be lovely. And you know, my my husband's gonna come home from work and we're gonna have dinner and we're gonna have game night, and we're gonna do this and we're gonna have date night. And then, but really in my real life, what had happened was I was leaving at 7 a.m., like barely making it out the door. I had a boss who didn't like me. I didn't like my boss. I was scrambling all day at work, getting home, like we were making chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese and barely seeing each other, running out the door to different activities, hustling through, the fence was broken, the air conditioner was out, it was 102 degrees outside, like nothing was working right. And Mm -hmm. like we we had lost all connection. And so like life just hadn't, life hadn't worked out according to plan. Um, And we weren't working out according to life. Like we, nothing seemed to be coming together. And you know, marriages fail for all sorts of reasons. Like 
things things change in life and we all need to navigate through that in different ways. There's no, there's no right or wrong way to do that. And here I was 10 years after my divorce was final and I was driving alone in my car. My 20 year career was over. I, and I'm like, what, what am I doing? What is life? Like what definition of success am I living by at this point in my life? And as I started unpacking all of that while I was driving and having these really cool experiences, meeting different people along the way, I'd get to my hotel at night and just journal and write and start to unpack those things. And I think there's a lot of nuggets in there that a lot of people can probably relate to because they're just raw, real, vulnerable, real life events that sometimes we don't take the time or necessarily have the courage to talk about. So that's why that was my next question I was going to ask you about was how did you write, you know, because you're on the road. Did you take the trip by yourself or was this somebody go with you? Nope, I was all by myself. Um, And how I wrote was I I did a lot of dictation into my phone. If I if it was while I was driving and I was and something was coming to me, I would just I would just grab my phone and kind of dictate a voice memo to myself. or if I was stopping somewhere, I would grab my laptop and just sit and type it out. And I just said to myself, just go, just let it flow. And you can always come back and edit it later. Mm-hmm. And so I was on the road for about a week, um, writing and taking different pieces and putting it together. And then when I came back home, it was probably about a month's worth of kind of editing and kind of like a puzzle, right? Putting the different pieces together and putting in, uh, creating a couple of pieces that needed to kind of be the glue that made it all all really fit before I sent it off to um, get edited. So let's talk about your publisher because not a lot of people that are like first time authors and haven't even published anything are able to get a publisher. So you had that one already at the very beginning. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so this was a really interesting um, situation that came up. So I was referred to a hybrid publisher and I worked with, it's called the uh, the Unapologetic Voice House. And um, she, her name is Carrie Severson and Carrie really works with um, strong, authentic women voices. And so when I told her my concept for the book, which which was really to go talk to other people and write their stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like, oh, I think this is a, it's a great concept. I think it's a great to talk about connection, the power of human relationships. I'm like, yes, the power of human relationships. It felt very safe to me to write about other people. Almost like I'm, my graduate degree is in communications and qualitative studies. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is going to be like almost a research paper that is made palatable for, you know, real people to read and digest and talk about. And so um, we, we forged our contract, you know, we made it all happen. We're ready to go and move forward. And then as I was writing those first couple nights, I remember calling her on one of the, my first nights. I said, girl, this is not the book that we agreed to. This is not what we set out to write. And she said to me, the moon is in Leo. Just go with it. Whatever is on your heart, just put it on paper. And I'm sure it's going to be the right thing. And it turned out that it was the right thing. So let's talk about your book. What exactly? What's the name of it? First of all, and you, you went and grabbed it, so showed the name of it. <laughs> yeah. So it's called it's called Finding Life in Between. It's a journal for me to you, and um, Finding Life in Between is all about how we experience the real, raw, authentic moments of life in between the good and the bad, in between the peaks and the valleys. 
Um, it, it's, it's snippets and journeys and moments. It's secrets and wishes. It's a little bit of a journal. It's a little bit of a manifesto. It's a little bit of a self-help. Um, my one, one girlfriend of mine called me after she read it and she said, I literally felt like we were sitting together chatting over a bottle of wine in your backyard. I said, oh good, because I wanted it to feel conversational. Um, interestingly, um, I'm, I'm a trained facilitator. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I worked in corporate for 20 years, mm -hmm. right? I spent a lot of time facilitating a lot of leadership sessions and groups. And um, the first message that I got after releasing this book, it, like into the wild, right? Let it go. Here we go. It's a very scary thing to release a book in that has very personal, deeply personal information in here. Um, and I thought, gosh, do I do this or not? And a friend of mine said, people need truth. People need vulnerability and truth. Let it go. He said, if you can't release it, what good are you? And I was like, you know, okay, we're, we're, we're going to let it go. And the very first message that I received from somebody that I did not know was a message that said, thank you for sharing your story. I know you don't know me. It's an anonymous message. Um, but I feel like I, I need to share this with you. And I was a victim of sex trafficking. And your story and your vulnerability and sharing makes me feel like I can have the courage to share mine. And I was like, I, I was floored. I was absolutely floored. And I thought, no, my journey is not about sex trafficking. Okay. That has, I, I am not a victim of sex trafficking in any way, but I thought my, my journey of healing is now going to be part of somebody else's journey of healing. And this is what happens when we all stand in our truth is we all have the courage to get a little bit louder about how we all can heal and then love ourselves a little bit more. And I think that's the power. That's the power of finding life in between um, for all of us. Now, did you ever think when you were writing the book, did you think, oh, I shouldn't put this in here. Or I shouldn't put that in there. You know, some of the things like, were you worried about what your kids were thinking, what your friends were going to think, what your parents were going to think, what your, you know. Oh, yes. All of it. All of it. I worried about every last thing. Um, and I think that for, for anybody who's writing, a piece of advice that was given to me was try to keep in mind, who are you writing it for? Like, if you're writing it for yourself, then it's your journal. It's, it's for you. But if you are writing it for an audience, if you're writing it for a reader who needs to hear it, then it belongs in the book. So through the editing process, you know, I, I tried to look at um, what I had written through the lens of um, somebody who might be going through a divorce. What do they need to hear right now? I tried to look at it through the lens of a single mom who might be experiencing some of, or some might be experiencing a job loss or. Um, having gone through the dating hell of match.com or, um, and well, and, and or online, I shouldn't say match.com. Some people have a great experience there. Um, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, however, however life has panned out for them. So I, I thought what, what might a woman going through something that I had gone through, what might they need to hear about what I've experienced that could offer a piece of hope? Um, but there are some things, like I said, there are some very real, raw, vulnerable moments that I included in the book. And um, and I was worried about what my parents might think, um, because some things are I've included memories from my you know later teen years in there. And um, and actually, when I spoke with my parents about it, I think that they 
it's not as if they didn't already know. It's just that they had never seen it in print. And um, there were certain things in there, though, that I had said, these are they were not part of their story. These were things that were contextual that I needed to share because when they're, they're my truth and now they're part of my story and now nobody can use them to, to take away my power. These are things that I own as part of my journey. Um, and also I think, um, you know, if we talk about, uh, we talk about sex, we can talk about sexual assault, talk about um, the, the things that happen in our lives that if we keep sweeping them under the rug and we never talk about them, then when the big things happen in life or God forbid, if they happen to people in our circles as we are older and we continue to sweep them under the rug, we do a disservice. We do a, a real disservice. So I was like, this is my opportunity to now stand in truth and reclaim power. Mm. And it's not with any shame. It's not with any accusation at all. It is simply, it's not assigning it a right or a wrong. It is just in a place of, you know what, we're going to own this and we're going to step forward in power together. So let's go. I love that. Cause honestly, I think with some, especially with parents, you know, when their kids come out, they're like, or come, come to them and say, think you did this, 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 or this, this, and this happened, you know, during my childhood, parents are very defensive about stuff like that. And they can get very like put off about it. Yeah. So were they put off at all about the stuff that you write in your book? Uh, I, I can't speak for them, but when I, um, I think I would venture to say to a certain degree, yes. Um, but I think that they were also, they're also included in such a way in there that they know how much love that I have for them. And because my parents, my parents loved love, they love all of me and all of my siblings with a fierce love, the way that all of us love our children with a fierce love. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and none of us are perfect parents. And, and so I think that that also comes through in my book. So even if there are things in there that they felt somehow, um, that they were quote unquote responsible for, um, which they were not. They also knew by what's, what's held in the chapters of the, of the book that they are also very fiercely loved. And those, those things all are, um, they, they all come together in one. So let's talk about one of the vulnerable moments in your book. Is mm -hmm. there one that you want to share with us? Um, well, sure. So I will share... Do you know what I, I'm, I'm going to share that there's a lot that I share in the book. So <laughs> I'm going to share about um, uh, there's a there's a part of my book that everybody reaches out to me that they talk to me about. And that is about my dog dying. OK, um, that and that's a safe. You know what? I'm going to I'm, I'm not going to talk about that because it's because that's really safe. And that's me punking out on you right now. <laughs> that's me totally punking out and not, not being vulnerable. There's a chapter, there's a chapter in here where I talk about losing my virginity. That is, that's, that is more courageous. And I'm going to share that with you, even though it's making my palms sweat, that means it's the right one to talk about. Let me go back. I talk about my dog dying in the, in the middle of the book. Everybody that I know calls me in the middle and says, I can't believe, like I'm sobbing in the middle of this book of all the things that I write about. That's the part that gets people every time. Okay. 
But there is a part that I write about in the middle of the book, and I write about losing my virginity, not because I was like, oh, everybody should just talk about losing their virginity. But why I wrote about it is because when I was writing my book, a girlfriend of mine had called me and told me, you know, now we're in our 40s. I know at the beginning we kind of said we were in our mid-20s, but mm -hmm. to be honest, I'm 44 years old. Um, so a girlfriend of mine had talked to me um, right at the time when I was writing the book, and she had told me, um, about when she had lost her virginity and about how what an awful experience it was and that um, like the condom had fallen off and she was scared to death and I was like oh my god this is kind of what happened in my situation too and I was like why did we not ever talk about this we've been friends for 15 years we've never ever discussed this and she's like, I don't know why we've never talked about it. And I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. I wonder how many of my other friends this has happened to. Now, fast forward in my book, I'm not gonna give away all the details of it, but this is described in my book and it was a traumatic experience. And and it wasn't, it, I mean, it wasn't like an awful experience, but at the same time, it was like, I carried shame and guilt over something that really wasn't a big deal for many years. And this is this is the kind of stuff that we do to ourselves and then we carry it and it impacts it like leaves a psychological or like a some scar it leaves us like in a, a scar in our psyche that then we carry with us to other relationships or we unwittingly pass it on to you know in, to our children or in conversations and it's it's not necessary. And as I wrote about it, and as I talked about it with my friends, I was just like, oh my God, can we just normalize the fact that when you lose your virginity, it's like, it kind of sucks, it's awkward. <laughs> like the condom might fall mm -hmm. off. Like these, this is, we don't have to like, we don't have to make it scary. Mm -hmm. It's a normal, natural part of being a human. And, and let's just, let's stop being afraid about it. And let's actually start just talking about it. Um, and sometimes that's really hard because it's taboo mm -hmm. for some people, it's offensive for some people, and some people just turn off their ears, they don't want to listen. Um, and like I said in the beginning, even like it's making my palms sweat because I'm like, oh boy, I might offend some people. So for those yeah. people who are offended, I'm going to apologize for offending them. And I'm also going to express gratitude for their courage for just listening. Exactly, because that's when you, when you confront situations, that's when the taboo gets taken off of it. It's just like with mental health and mental illness. There's mm. such a stigma around it that once you start talking about it, it kind of the mystery of it kind of unravels. And then it's not so taboo to talk about anymore. Exactly. And I'll tell you that I do talk about this in my book also because my home was robbed not once, but twice over the course of a few years. And I, when I went to go see a therapist about all of this, um, she had diagnosed me with acute stress disorder, which is very, it's a similar diagnosis to PTSD. And um, that was something that, you know, I didn't really talk about it with anybody. And somebody close to me, when they read my book said, why didn't you ever tell me about it? And I said, well, I guess it just never came up in conversation. We never really, we never talked about it. And then I had to go back and reassess was I feeling shame about it? Was I afraid to talk about it? Like, mm -hmm. I, let me unpack that with myself and do my own inner work about it. Um, and it's okay to talk about it. And, and we should bring it to the forefront because 
we have to navigate through these things in life because this is one of those things. It's it's that diagnosis is falls in the in-between moments of the good and bad. Mm-hmm. And it is a part of my life and it is and it's okay. It is okay. Well, I'd love I want to applaud you for actually getting help too, because some people think they can handle things on their own. Well, and thank you, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that so much. And you know what happened was I will I will tell you, I was at work when I was employed by the, my, in my corporate role and a, a dear friend of mine, um, a colleague, I was sharing with her some things that, you know, about the robbery that I, I was processing. And she said, this is worth getting help over this. And she, and she literally wrote the name of her therapist on a piece of paper and said, I have a therapist too. And I was like, amen, I'm going, that's it. That's what I needed. I just needed somebody to look at me and like, give me that nudge. And mm-hmm. I, um, I'm all for it. I think anybody, if you, if it's a, if it's a thought in your mind, you should just step towards it. Absolutely. So that's a lot of what your book is about is just stepping toward your thoughts and stepping into action to kind of help yourself heal as well. Oh, it's absolutely a healing journey. Um, and it, it's really, I think at its heart, the book is, is truly about, it's about connection. Um, it's about, it's about finding pieces of our stories within each other's stories. Um, there's, I think we all have more in common than we know. Um, I think that when we really get still, when we pause, when we take time to, to just really, really get still and think about who we are at our core, instead of like the busyness of our minds being in charge, just really get still and think about who we are at our core, what we want, like we, we begin to kind of come home to ourselves mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's missing. Um, and even in during COVID, right. We've, we've had a year now of slowing down and slowing down and slowing down, but even um, within that, we've still had moments of panic, mm-hmm. um, moments of fear, moments of disconnect. And I think we, within, within COVID, which has been awful, we also have a gift to say, um, as we emerge from this, what can we do differently? How can we, how can we emerge better? Mm-hmm. And how can we, how can we be better for, for each other and for ourselves? How can we take care of ourselves differently? Um, so we can serve each other more. Yeah. I think that's one of the blessings of COVID is that the fact that people are slowing down more and listening to each other and not so rush, 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 hurry, hurry, go here, go there, go everywhere. And there pe- families are coming a little bit more together and friends are coming a little bit more together and reaching out to the fellow man. Whereas before it was like too busy, can't do it. I agree. I agree. So let's talk about the format of your book. Cause you say it's, it's finding the in-between finding life in between. And you said a journal for me to you. So is it a journaling book as well? So the book is really divided into four sections. And the first part is um, it provides a little bit of context I'm just going to pull, I'm going to pull it open right here. So um, the first part provides a little bit of context about um, it's, it's an invitation into the book, really. Um, it, it, it's called the winding road, tells you a little bit more about what, what you're getting into. And then the next section is called packing and unpacking real life. So it's a deeper dive into kind of the, the setup for everything that happened. The third part is called August adventures and the August adventures is when the road trip happened um, the different landmarks, um, the, the more the dates, more specifically the things that happened during August. And then the last section is really um, travel notes that has journal prompts in it. 
so that in the event that as you were going through, um, it triggered some ideas for you, some different thoughts, um, you can you can certainly use it as an opportunity to take some time to journal there too. And you said you travel down south. So does that mean south of where you live now or did you travel <laughs> in the south? <laughs> My goal was to get, I, um, I decided I was gonna go to South Carolina. Um, so I wound up going as far as Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then um, through a series of events, I, I wound up connecting with some friends who used to live in Wisconsin. And I wound up staying in North Carolina with them before coming back. So I never quite made it to uh, South Carolina like I had originally planned. Well, I'm I'm in North Carolina, so oh, you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm on the coast, though. I'm not in Asheville, but I'm on the coast. <laughs> well, it was beautiful there. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So once you've gotten the book out, was there parts that you were like, no, I can't put this in here. I don't want to put this in here. But then your editor was like, yes, you need it in. And because going through the editing process, you know, you pour your heart, soul and tears into this book. And then maybe they say that doesn't belong or that belongs. Was there any part of the book that you kind of fought to keep in the book? Um, I think that, I think that the editing process for me was, it was more of a, let's make sure that it's in the right order. Would it make sense if we kind of switched this a little bit differently? Did we package it correctly? Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a take anything out or, or add anything. Um, it, it, it became, I think at the end, it was more of a, oh my gosh, am I ready to let it go? Mm. <laughs> it was like, this is, it's a work of heart. Um, it's really, um, I, I poured my heart and my soul into it. And I wasn't expecting the emotional connection that I had to it to be so strong. Um, and, and then th- that was it. It was like, okay, now, now you have to fully release it. You have to really ble- like bless and release and let it go into the universe. And it will touch the right people at the right time who need to hear it in the right moment. And that's that. So what, what did it feel like when you got your first copy and it, you were holding it in your hands? Oh, um, well, when I got my first copy, my, uh, I knew what was in the box and my, I had my daughter open it. And I just videoed her because she and she opened it and she was like, what is this? What is this? And then she was like, oh, my gosh, it's your book. So I recorded her response to it um, so I could kind of capture the excitement, knowing that um, I could remember watching that. I guess I don't know. I'm trying to. That's a really great question, because. I just knew that like I, w- I was happy. I was thrilled. I felt proud. I was like, oh my gosh, I did it like this. It, well, and at that time, this was going to be a check the box item. I thought, okay, I wrote a book, check. I kind of did my thing and then I'll release it and I'll go back to work. And I had actually gone back to a corporate, my corporate job. I got hired back to the same company. Um, Everything I just got went back to a different team. I went back as a contractor because of the way the layoff worked, you know, technicalities on the way employment law all got set up. But then when COVID hit, I got laid off again. So I got laid off from the same company twice within nine months. So I so that like I was so proud and so happy about launching the book 
Um, but at that, when I got the book, I was also like, okay, I kind of did my thing. It was a check the box mm -hmm. item. And after I got laid off the second time, <laughs> that so, sounds so funny. I got laid off twice. When I got laid off the second time, I was like, okay, universe, I'm listening to you. Now I really need to go back to the book because there's something more to that that you want me to focus on. Mm -hmm. There's something more there about what the offering is that I have to give that's different than what I could do from the cubicle that I used to sit in. So you talked about your daughter opening up your books. Did your kids mm -hmm. read the book? Well, the, my, my younger two, the 15 and 17 year old are boys and they're not very much readers at this point. So, so if they do at some point, I, that's cool with me. They absolutely can. Um, my daughter did read it. And um, she said to me, um, she said, and, and she is 19, by the way, she said to me that she uh, loved it, that she felt like she was reading somebody, like just an author's book. She kept forgetting that it was actually her mom. Mm -hmm. And then she would send me different pages, like screenshots of pages. And she'd be like, I love this part. Or did this really happen? Or, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you wrote that. Or, <laughs> um, you know, and then like the, the little dedications that were to the kids. She's like, I'm crying. Then we like circle it with a heart. And mm -hmm. Um, so it was really, it was really, really sweet. Um, but she, she and I are very close. And so, um, she does play an active role in, in the book as well. I was just wondering if maybe that had a jumping off point of having conversations, deeper conversations with her. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, <laughs> parenting is a, parenting is a, a unique journey, um, and I know that everybody does things in their own way. My daughter and I have a very, um, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, very lucky, very blessed to have a, a very good relationship with my daughter. She also has a life-threatening food allergy. Mm. She's um, anaphylactic to dairy and she's also allergic to uh, soy and almond. And she has almost died on multiple occasions throughout the course of her life. And maybe it's because of that, or maybe it's, you know, by the grace of God, maybe it's for some other reason. Um, but she and I have always been, had a very open and honest re relationship. And I actually was talking to my sister this morning. I said, it's a delightfully scary relationship sometimes because we're so close. Um, she shares with me, I know a lot about what's going on, um, in her world. And I'm very thankful for that. So what is included in the book, even like the parts that are, um, about me, that maybe are things that some moms wouldn't want their daughters to know. I would rather she knows. I would rather anybody knows. I would rather we have an honest and upfront, courageous conversation than um, I think in the absence of facts, we tell ourselves stories. Mm -hmm. I would rather I would rather have an honest conversation about things um, that are in the book. So when you were talking about getting your book and then you went back to your corporate job and then you got laid off again, <laughs> And you said to yourself, maybe I needed to stick with the book. What else have you done now that you've written this book? What, what has it brought about for you? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So um, so when I got laid off for the second time and I decided that I was going to not go back to corporate at that time, um, I decided, well, I started working on um, building kind of what my business was going to be. So I opened up my own coaching practice. Um, so while I was in corporate, I became a certified coach and I coached sales professionals for 15 years of my life. So I shifted that practice and um, softened it with to have more of a focus on 
um, on women, on women entrepreneurs. Um, and so I do that right now. So I work with, um, I work really, I call it with soul awakening women, with heart centered, heart focused women on their business practices. And um, usually that's a, a one-on-one four week practice. Um, so I market my book, I work with them on that. And I am studying my yoga teacher certification right now. So I will be a certified yoga teacher in the, uh, just in a, two more months, I think I have left in the program, which, I'm, which I am thrilled about. Um, and I am also I'm going to work with energy a lot. Um, so I'm looking at Reiki, getting Reiki attuned um, by the end of this month to do some um, energy healing work also. You were like the third or fourth person that I've interviewed that talks about energy healing. And I don't think it's a coincidence that it's coming, mm -hmm. it's coming up. So let's talk about energy healing then. Yeah, well, this is, it's all a little bit new to me. Um, what I do know is that everything is energy. <laughs> and what I do know is that energy never dies. And I feel as if um, when we are conscientious of who we are, when we are conscientious of um, the vibe that we bring forward, you know, I remember when I was like, I don't know, in my early 20s, and I would walk into a place with my friends, and sometimes we they would look to me and say, like, should we be here or not? And I would be like, no, we got to go. Or like, yes, this feels like a good place to be. Um, like, it just, you know, kind of funny things like that that I never really paid attention to. Um, so I there's, some, there's just something about the energy work that we can do. There is in Reiki, it's the, what I'm studying right now, like the universal energy, it is there for us to tune into. Um, and if we can use that channel it and, and leverage it to help heal and bring positive energy to flow through and heal within us, I think that's a really important gift. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about that as I, you know, I'm just studying right now. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. And in yoga, you know, we talk about chakra psychology and the energy within us flowing through those chakras. And I think there's something to, um, there, there's definitely something to balancing out the energy that flows within us too, to make sure that we can remain grounded, but also, you know, make sure that we're ascending, um, leveraging that energy as it's ascending too, to tune into what's going on around us. So, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to it. I, I've, there's a lot that we can tune into, I think, when we are, we're balancing the energies within and around us. So let's talk about yoga. Why did you decide to become certified yoga instructor? Uh, that's a great question. So I loved yoga. Um, I played roller derby for six years. And when I was skating, I've had a fairly active yoga practice to balance out my uh, skating, kind of the rougher side of my, my workout schedule. And in my yoga practice, I thought that originally I was like, you know, I'm going to just start by getting yoga will help with my flexibility. And then after I was in, in my flexibility, I was like, oh, gosh, I feel pretty good. This is going to help out. It really helps with my strengthening. Like I'm, I'm feeling much stronger the more I do my yoga. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, with the breathing and yoga, it really helps with my endurance. I'm feeling amazing. And then I was like, something just feels like it's shifting in me. And again, that's the energy work um, through the pranayama and the breath work that we don't always know or realize when we're, we if we're just doing our yoga video because in western yoga we we pay attention to the fitness side of it we don't always pay attention to the spiritual and energetic works work within it um so with that in mind um after i had back surgery in 2019 um i came out of that and i you know had to really 
pace myself. There was no more, you know, I used to, no, no more roller derby for sure. Um, there, there's, I used to run, there was no more running. I used to triathlons or no more triathlons. Um, I was, you know, really just walking and trying to figure out what I'm going to do, you know, doing kind of the channel, channel 10 public television workouts and, and trying to get my, get myself moving. Um, so at one point I was like, you know, I'm just going to start doing some gentle yoga. I think that's going to be the best thing for me. And literally last fall, I said to my, to my daughter, I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to like get certified in teaching yoga. I think that would be really good for me. If there's a goal in mind, I'm more likely to follow through and get this done. The certification feels like a good thing for me. And she's like, yeah, you should look into it. Well, lo and behold, um, doing a little just Google researching on um, some human design and some other things, I came across um, the Sacred Yoga Institute and I uh, had a conversation with Matt and Ash, who are the yoga couple who are in charge of it. And really, um, through that conversation, decided that that's what I wanted to do and have been enjoying the teacher training. There is in, in for anybody who's interested in it, I think that you have to find the right program because it is the teacher program that I'm in is not only the asana, which is the physical practice. We're also doing a lot of this, like the psychology of yoga, mm-hmm. um, the history, the philosophy and all the different pieces, which obviously that's something that I that really resonates with me. And because of my back surgery, um, it's it's critically important to me. Um, to fill uh, what I feel like is a, an opportunity. It's kind of a void um, to have a practice that not only meets that physical, but also that kind of psychological and spiritual need for people who um, maybe have had that back surgery or have some low back issues who want to step into that um, yoga practice as well. Now you talked about roller derby. Tell me about that, because you're the first person I've interviewed that has roller derby, so i got to know. How did you get into it? How long were you in it? Yeah, so um, so I skated for about six years for the Bruce City Bruisers here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I How I got into it was I went out one night to watch it, and I was like, I think I could do that. And my husband at the time said, no, you can't. And I thought, Oh, I can. You better watch me. Like that's that's that. Um, so I went out and I bought the equipment and I signed up for tryouts and I learned how to skate and that was that. I was you know got um, you know drafted onto a team and I and I skated for six years. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. A lot of fun. Met some incredible incredible uh, people throughout that entire experience. Um, yeah, really great. So I take it from what you just said is you're the type of person that somebody says you can't do it, you're going to prove them wrong. Oh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Maybe not. Maybe, you know, now now that I'm just a little older, maybe not as much. But yeah. <laughs> so what is up next for you now that you have the book and you're coaching women? What else are you what else do you see in your horizon? Oh, that's fine. such a great question. You know, had you asked me that 10 years ago, I would have said, you know, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. I'm going to work to get that, you know, the next title, the next promotion, uh, the corner office, do this, do this, like keep, keep going, keep going. And that definition of success, what I realized in the last few years is that I've been hustling for somebody else's definition of success. And Right now, what's next for me is really a life of balance. So 
for me right now, success and what happens next is studying healing energy work and finding out and really defining what my gifts are in that space and making sure that I can share those appropriately um, with the right people at the right time. Um, my, I want to be able to spend the right time with my family, with my children, um, to make sure that they are launched appropriately because we're getting into that phase where they're gonna be launched. Mm -hmm. um, I want them to be able to stand on their own two feet. Um, and um, and I just want to I want to travel. I want so I want to like make my make sure that my business um, has enough uh, has enough inside of it to like keep running smoothly. Um, and I want to support that and do right by all of the people that I serve. And I want to make sure that I'm serving them well. I want to be giving of my time and talents in the space where it's in a healing journey, energy space. And I want to make sure my kids are launched. I think that's 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 what I want to do. That's success to me now. Wow. Like you said, if you'd asked 10 years ago, your success would have been corporate ladder and it wouldn't have, it might've included your kids, but not as the closer relationship that you have with them now. Right. And, and it's really, um, it took, it took my life getting turned completely upside down with that back surgery to, it made, it made a, a forceful stop, a complete jolt in my life like that. And then my job being brought to a complete end to say my my definition of success that I I mean I was I was unhappy in my job for for a few years, um, but I but I felt like there's no way out. This is just what my life is. I just have to keep going, keep going, keep going. That's not the truth. That was not the truth. That was a lie that I was trapped in in my own mind. And my 401k whatever like it may not look like it would have had I stayed in that role but my heart is full and I get to now be with my children in a way that I know is going to serve them in the long run. And that is what is most important to me. I love that. So in a way, the back surgery, even though it was not something that you really wanted to happen, it was a blessing. A hundred percent. It was a gift, an absolute gift. And I think that's a lot of people need to look at COVID that way too. You know, even though I'm not going to try to dismiss people dying, because of it or anything else, but it's a way to reevaluate your life and reevaluate where you want to be and who do you want around you during that time. I, I think every, every experience we have is really, it provides a mirror for us and um, it gives us an opportunity to say, you know, who, who are we, how are we showing up today? Um, is this who I want to be? How am I serving? What, it, you know, what, what energy am I putting out there and, and what does this mean for me today? And I agree with you that COVID um, is as awful as it is. And people, people, people in my circle have passed away from COVID too. Um, and, and it's been not great uh, to, to be alone, to make sacrifices. Um, but at the same time, it also just is. And life does not happen to us. Life happens through us. And, and we have the opportunity to say, what happens next? Like how, what can we do next? So tell people where they can find you at. Oh yeah. So you can find me at my website, which is candylee.com and it's C-A-N-D-Y-L-E-I-G-H.com. Um, and if you're up for it, you can uh, take a quiz that I have out there, which is called lifebalancequiz.com. It's a real short kind of snapshot 
it's like a Cosmo quiz, kind of back page quiz, um, gives you a snapshot across uh, different, uh, like your, your professional life balance, your personal, social, financial, gives you just a quick, quick look at how you're doing across all those different buckets. Um, so that's at lifebalancequiz.com. And um, otherwise, just at my website. And I'm active on social media. So you can uh, find me on social media via my website, too. Okay. And like you said, what after you have your book and everything else, you're going through yoga teaching right now in Reiki. Mm -hmm. Did I say that? I didn't say that right. Reiki. Yep, Reiki. Reiki. Um, so what else? Do you have another book coming, you think, in mm -hmm. you? Oh gosh. Um, well, I contributed to I contributed to another book, so it's an anthology. So that's just got released actually, um, and that's called um, "Everyday Heroes from the Front Lines of COVID." So that's out there, um, available on Amazon. And it's interesting that you ask if I have another book in me. There's a few people who've asked if I'm writing again, and um, I feel like I feel like maybe maybe I will write a little bit more. I'm not I'm not quite sure yet. I've got a couple ideas swirling, but we'll we'll see about it. We'll see. Well, Candy, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and tell the people what the name of the, your book is again. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And again, my book is called Finding Life in Between. And um, and my my hope is that it is um, it's a connector, and it, I hope that it is a part of your healing, as it has been a part of mine, and it's been a part of others as well. So thank you so much for having me. And did I see it correctly on Kindle Unlimited? It's free. On Kindle Unlimited, it is free. Yep, and it's available on. I'm, I'm a book listener. It's available on Audible as well. Are you narrating on Audible? I am narrating on Audible. Okay. That's the one thing I love is when you can actually hear the author talking as they're, as they're reading their book. Cause you yeah. can, the, you can tell exactly what they were feeling when they were writing the book. I am, I'm, I'm reading on there. Yes, indeed. All right, Candy. I want to thank you so much. And guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye. I hope you really enjoyed the chat that I had with um, Candy. I linked all the stuff that she talked about in the show notes. So if you want to go take the quiz or want to grab her book or anything like that, you can easily grab it in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for being part of the podcast family. Please like, leave a rating or review wherever you listen to. If you're not subscribing, please hit that subscribe button. Let me know how I'm doing. If you want to hop over to YouTube and subscribe on YouTube, it's Chats in the Blog Cabin. As always, be blessed and remember, keep chatting.